Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Very pleased to have joining us our very own, we like to say very own, even though you're not our very own, John Smith, who volunteer firefighter, preparedness enthusiast. Uh, and this is something that we're looking at from a, a host of angles here on Inside Sources, really looking at how do we get mentally prepared, how do we get our mind around, whether that's a natural disaster, an earthquake, a fire, a flood. Uh, but you actually had something this morning that just got me thinking, Hey, this is this could happen any day. It could happen every day. Tell us about what happened to your morning. Yeah, in fact, I thought this is why your your producer Kelly came up and she's like, "We need we need a survival a, a, a preparedness guy." And I was like, "Oh, you must have heard about my morning." No, you guys had no idea. <laughs> so I woke up this morning and uh, the power had gone out in the middle of the night. I live out in Tooele County, and our power had gone out about three a.m., which is little little bit before I get up and come to work and do a morning show on the Arrow. Uh, and honestly, like normally when the power goes out, I cheer and I throw up my hands and I'm excited because I get to use all my new toys. But today I had stuff to do. I had to get to work and the power went out and honestly, it didn't even break my gate. Like it didn't even change my routine other than I had to grab the lamp out of the, uh, out of the closet and I got ready for work like I normally did. And honestly, I got to work on time and that was really the extent of my uh, my inconvenience. Yeah, and, and the disruption is what we often miss in all of this. Uh, you know, as we look at, you know, big floods or earthquakes, or we even look at refugees, yeah. you know, who one morning are, you know, making breakfast, going to work, riding the train, doing all of that, and then suddenly everything changes. And a lot of times it's it's that, can you keep that cadence of your day going mentally? Uh, and so how do we start doing that, especially for uh, as families? Yeah, you look at a family, if you've got young kids or kids in high school, uh, suddenly the complexity of what has to happen in a disaster gets pretty complicated pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say, what would I do, right? Yeah. But when you're responsible for other people, and then you have the human factor to take in about what are the other people around your other people doing, mm. uh, you know, is there going to be panic? Is there going to be a rush yeah. on things? Is there going to be, you know, we, we've experienced a couple of things in the last couple of years that have kind of brought some of this into focus on a very limited scale. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're, we're people, we're creatures of habit, right? So basically what you got to think of is your, your hierarchy of needs. Okay. What do we, what do we need to survive and for how long? Mm -hmm. So step one, food, water, medicine. Um, if you're on any life-saving medications, if mm -hmm. there's anything you need to take at a certain time or a certain day, make sure you have access to that or maybe even one or two doses extra that you have in a safe place should you need it. Uh, food and water. Food, something non-perishable, something in a package that if the package gets wet, 
You're not going to ruin your box of Rice Krispies, you know, because the bag inside is still sealed. Yeah. You know, something that will keep for a length of time. And then keep an eye on that stock so that when the emergency does happen, you're like, oh, these potato flakes expired in 2003. <laughs> They're not going to be very good. Still edible, <laughs> but not very good. Um, and then after that, you move on to things like heat, shelter, mm. uh, you know, what kind of what kind of things can provide heat in a safe place? Yeah, heater packets. If I'm going to use fire, do I have a safe place to use fire? If I'm going to use a space heater or a propane heater, can I have a ventilated area so I don't suffer yeah. carbon monoxide poisoning? Shelter. Do I have a tarp? Plastic. Do I have some raincoats nearby that I can use to keep myself dry if it's a if it's a flood or a storm? Yeah. You know, and then we start thinking about light, power. You know. Saving some batteries, checking on those batteries, making sure they're still good when we need them. Light, another good thing. You know, flashlights are obviously very handy to keep around glow sticks. But a lot of times people don't realize those garden lights that you get for like 99 cents at Walmart, <laughs> they're solar powered. Yeah. Those are great for emergencies oh, because they stay on for 12 hours mm. and they're powered by the sun. Wow. So you can actually just take those, put them inside. You can even put them in like a... Uh, like a water pitcher or a flower vase, and it turns into a nice little oh, wow. lamp. It's wow. a little boho oh, chic ambiance, for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, that moves to transportation. Mm. Um, when it's time to go, where are we going to go, and how are we going to get there? And most importantly, when is it safe to travel? Yeah. Um, you know, you want to avoid crowds. You want to avoid the rush. You don't want to get stuck on the freeway when everybody's trying to get out of town after an earthquake. So. Yeah. You know, that's why a 72-hour kit is vital because you got to be able to stay in one place for two to three days and then travel once it becomes a little bit safer yeah. to move about. Yeah. Great, great insight there. And, and, uh, we always say opportunity favors the prepared mind. Uh, and those in those settings that don't know where anything is or are certain anything that's in my basement is spoiled and rotten because it, it did expire in 2003. <laughs> uh, that suddenly that panic kicks in. And I mean, we even saw it during the course of the pandemic, you know, it's like toilet paper and paper towel and all of that. Suddenly people were panicking, uh, as opposed to making good strategic decisions. But I, I, I want to go back to part of this, John, that you mentioned about being prepared in such a way that you, the, your people, uh, whether mm -hmm. that's your 8-year-old or your 18-year-old, know what to do because we don't know what the people around our people, they may be in full panic mode. Right. But how do we help them have confidence to kind of have that be still moment and then know, oh, this is what I do in this scenario? Knowledge is power, Boyd. I mean, it's all about communication and, and like you say, I mean, it's all about just preparedness. What do we do and when? Yeah. So even with my eight year old, we, we talk about it. You know, she's at school. I'm in Salt Lake. My family's in Tooele. My wife is at home. The kids at school. I'm downtown. What do we do when there's an emergency? So we have a safe spot that we go to. Mm -hmm. We have safe people that we can go to if we can't get to each other. And then we know mm -hmm. certain words and phrases that we use to determine the level of emergency. Right. So my daughter knows that if I say certain things, these are not questions. These yeah. are these are not things that we need to question dad about. Yeah. We know that that's an emergency There's plenty time. of other things to question dad right. about, we'll, right? We'll, we'll question dad's <laughs> knowledge on the facts later. But right now, you need to get to a safe place. Yeah. And, and 
it's all in the matter of of the weeks, months, years, yeah. whatever leading up to. And it's funny, people tease me. Oh, John the Prepper waiting for the <laughs> apocalypse. But I tell you, man, when I didn't have to go wait in line for toilet paper, mm. when I didn't have to worry about the earthquake in 2020 or yeah. the power outage after the windstorm, or this morning when my power went out, Suddenly, it's not so funny. Suddenly, it's like, oh, John John maybe knows what right. he's talking yeah. about. Yeah, maybe we should listen to this guy. <laughs> well, we're listening to you because we trust you. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. It's awesome. Uh, and it really is. Before I let you, before I let you go, I want to seek one last question. Uh, and that is, you know, it is easy to, to, to look at an extreme thing or a prepper, you know, kind of thing uh, as opposed to just this real strategic forward thinking. You know, this is what we do in our businesses all the time. This is what we do at work and in our community. And yet when it comes to our own personal preparedness, we often put this one off. It's, yeah. it's one of those easiest things to, to put off. But what's the one thing? What's the one thing you wish every family was at least thinking about, if not talking about when it comes to their preparation? Where do they start? Don't panic. You know, stuff happens. Uh, you know, it's the, the famous line from, from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Bad luck floats around. It's got to land on somebody sometime. Yeah. Uh, and it really, even if you don't have food storage or water storage or whatever, at least talk about it with your family so that you know what to do and who to go to so that you can avoid running out into oncoming traffic when, when something bad happens. Uh, you guys can sit and calmly discuss, okay, here's what we need to do. Let's figure it out. Yeah, fantastic. Great insight. John Smith from our sister station over at the Arrow and uh, volunteer firefighter and prepper extraordinaire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, I've been promoted. <laughs> Just someone who is well prepared for whatever happens. John Smith, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, man. It is about just being well-prepared is, is really the key. All right, we're set aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, final thoughts here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.